It's another edition of Mundial Daily. I am Wiso Vasquez. ¿Cómo están todos? Hopefully, uh, you're not in bad spirits anymore after the Mexico exit of the World Cup. Not making it out of the groups. Thank you again for listening. Le agradecemos a nuestros amigos de Panini for sponsoring this podcast. Again, if you haven't already, finish your Panini book and get those estampillas. All right. It's my turn to do the Mundial Daily here, and I'm excited. If you haven't been following me, I am in España, and right now in the middle of Madrid, in the town square, decided to record this. Although it's raining, it's cold, but I'm glad I'm here. Me fui para acá en unas vacaciones, and obviously to experience and continue to watch this, I think, an amazing World Cup uh, as far as the games and that we've been witnessing. Uh, the round of 16 is almost over. It's crazy how fast <clears throat> everything is kind of, you know, been taken out. It, when we when we looked at this World Cup, I don't think anybody really talked about that it was going to be a short tournament. You know, we we complain and rightfully so about it being in the winter season, having to wait, obviously all the craziness in Qatar. But did anybody really talk about how? Players are going to play three games and then only have like three days off and then play again. Because I feel like I just saw Brazil. I think I got here on the Friday and I remember like watching Brazil play and seeing, you know, I'm like, wow, we're watching again. Brazil's about to play Korea. No sé qué va a pasar. So if you're listening to this already, it might have already happened. But um, I, I go back to. The game England versus USA, where we kind of just looked around. Amy and I looked at her. I'm like, "What's going on? Why isn't Amy? Why isn't England attacking? Why are they just letting USA, you know, kind of off?" We've seen some of the big teams rest players. You know, we've seen uh, the big teams know that this is going to be a really fast tournament as far as time wise, and you know, you don't need to do a lot in order to get to the next round. And I think I, I. I come off with that, you know, for example, that England performance when we we're like, why didn't England score more? Why didn't they go forward? Because we know they have the firepower against the U.S. Because you didn't have to. Because in three days, four days later, you needed to play again. We saw Croatia take out Modric, you know, Perisic in the middle, uh, I think right after the, the first half, the, the game's over, game against Japan. And a lot of people are saying, well, you're taking out your best two, your two best players. But if you remember, if you remember Croatia last World Cup, They were tired, so I don't know if, obviously, it looked like um, Modric was already not playing in a full 90, but the gamble was taking him out and hopefully, you know, scoring goals, but it went to PKs. Japan with the horrible, horrible PKs. He, I think also in this tournament, it's that, is that that players are uh, are exhausted, the fact that they have to play a lot, and that means coaches are resting more players. Juan Carlos Osorio would have loved this team because he said it. Back in 2018, that Mexico traveling thousands of miles and he needed to rotate the players, which was going to be key for us to make it to the next round. I mean, maybe it could, maybe it did help, but at the same time, eh, Mexico lost to Brazil. My thoughts on the, um, the round of play I mean, you saw very exciting teams make it to the next round, but then now that we're seeing the round of 16 play out, it's the same players as always, unless Korea right now surprises uh, Brazil, todavía va a jugar um, Switzerland versus uh, Portugal, and I don't, I don't really think there's going to be any 
big surprises of underdog teams. Japan played really well against Croatia, but at the same time, you know, the les faltó. And I think that's what smaller teams, teams that don't necessarily make it past the quarterfinals, they lack of. If it's el llamerito para ellos también, if it's Mexico losing in extra time or in PKs or, you know, even the U.S. losing in 2002, it's, it's hard making it. And unless you're a dark horse, you know, let's say like Croatia four years ago, uh, you know, you're not going to end. It, it's not going to end well because you've played so many games. You're tired. You have to have your stars and the death becomes. Just look at how easy France, it is for France. Granted, you know, they have the best player in the world right now with Mbappé scoring golazos. Or you have those superstars, but who's behind those superstars? The bench is an even better superstars. I mean, look at the French bench, England bench. Brazil bench, I mean, those are way better than any of the smaller teams. So you're obviously going to have some teams making it. But at the end of the day, it's the same ones. Um, there are a lot of surprises where teams that we thought were going to be, you know, contenders like like Germany. You know, if anybody said Germany was going to crash out again, you know, buy a lottery. Or um, Belgium, for example. It's like we were like, these are teams that are going to make the round of 16. And we thought maybe they would be there. But... Teams like Korea, teams like Japan, which, by the way, it feels like we should know by now expecting a, a team, uh, a group like Japan that was in Germany, Spain, Costa Rica, that Japan was going to make it out or Korea making it out in those. And I feel like that's those two Asian teams are the ones that we are always pulling for. But the African team like Senegal making it and then you have like Switzerland making it. Right. So, you know, you do kind of expect some of those to come out. But at the end of the day, it's. It's the usual players. Um, as far as what I'm doing here in Madrid, I decided to come here to figure, you know, after the World Cup with uh, Mexico exiting, to just come to another place and experience the World Cup in another different way. Uh, and go to my, my thought process was, you know, when Spain plays in Spain, be in Spain. When Portugal, hopefully maybe go to Portugal, but it's a lot harder than, th- than it looks. So I'm here in Spain kind of taking it all in. And to be honest... Um, I have thought there would be more people excited about the World Cup. Could, different reasons. I'm in the middle of like central, like downtown Madrid. There's people everywhere. And, uh, but in the very first few nights, it was really hard. Even when Spain was playing, I thought, and maybe because I'm used to it, you know, cuando ves a Mexico, Central America, South America, and, and I would have thought maybe in Europe and other places that you, everybody would just freeze could be because I don't know. Maybe I'm downtown. This is more like a touristy type of spot. But I would. I don't. I didn't. I, it was hard finding the game when we walk. When I walked out of my hotel room, I'm like, all right, this should be TVs playing everywhere. And when Spain was playing, it wasn't like a crazy atmosphere. What I thought. When si vas a Mexico and even the United States, you know, and you go to a sports bar, and I went to a, a pub where there were some Spanish fans, and there, you know, they did have the TVs. But I didn't hear that craziness. And I don't know. Maybe because Spain's like, eh, we're going to make it in the later rounds. Cool. So why do we even worry about this? Um, I did get to go see Argentina uh, against Australia in this bar que es argentino que, tiene, que tenían uh, comida argentina. And that, you know, was full of Argentina fans. And I felt that there was way more atmosphere. There could be because así son los argentinos and they're going to go everywhere. And after they won, you know, they were singing their songs and stuff like that porque metió gol Messi and everything. So... Um, not to say I'm disappointed. I was just a little more. I was a little surprised, and I kept asking people, you know, uh, how come you don't see the TVs on? 
a waiter said that, oh, it's because it's really hard to get the rights for, you know, some, you know, it costs a lot of money to get that channel here. So, uh, you know, a lot of people couldn't. So maybe that could be it. I don't know. I don't want to judge this whole country by me being in the center of Madrid and not seeing the World Cup fever. So um, I've talked to a few people with that about Spain and their chances and the people that know football that actually watch are really positive knowing that even though they lost against Japan, you know, Spain has a good team. And again, it goes back to not seeing Spain in their full potential because it's a short tournament. Is that you're not going to go full on 90 balls to the walls kind of saying and, you know, coming out blazing um, because you're going to need that energy, those players being healthy, yellow cards, whatever, in the later rounds. And I think this is going to be key is... You know, once you once you score your goals, knowing you know against your your opponent, you know, resting and getting ready for the next day. That's going to be in like three or four days. So, um, I'm going to stay here for another night, and then me voy a ir a Holanda, the Netherlands. The Netherlands get to play Australia. So hopefully, in the middle of Amsterdam, I can see a little bit more uh, more fans. And I believe the Orange fans are are pretty crazy so i'll definitely have to report back on it it should be an interesting game if i'm there well i'm gonna be there where uh the netherlands play argentina and whoever wins you know i mean it's, it's gonna be historic netherlands going through if they beat argentina and the, with messi and and are they gonna are they gonna celebrate like crazy in the middle of amsterdam no sé or if messi continues to win with argentina and beats a really good netherlands which i think so We'll see, we'll see. I'll have to report back. Regarding Mexico, obviously you follow this pod because of the Mexican soccer show and we talk about Mexico. No sé qué va a pasar. A lot of people are talking about, you know, getting a Mexican coach. I don't think that's going to happen. And this is not because I know anything. But I think the Federation is going to continue to look for experience, looking for a coach that can be competitive in a world stage. And I just don't see a, a Mexican coach do that. Um, what is the best Mexican coach right now? I, I'm, I'm thinking that we, you know, we want a young guy. You know, we want someone that uh, can bring in, you know, new ideas that knows the Mexican player that has played maybe or, or at least is in, in the game. And we don't have that many profiles like that. Rafa Puente, tal vez. But I mean, you're looking at everyone's talking about. Oh, bring Piojo back. Piojo. No, I mean, I, I love the guy. He knows how to motivate. But you go against. You know, European coaches, and as you saw in 2014, it was the reason why we lost. Look what LVG did to the U.S. in Burhalter. Like, this, this is different. These guys know. And it's experiences. And that's something that I kind of want to ask. You know, we, we demand players to go abroad. We demand the federation. You know, we, we demand all this. When do we demand that coaches need to go and be in places to learn? Because our best coach we've ever had is El Vasco Aguirre. Do I want El Vasco to come back? Absolutely not. He already, he's already coached twice. No llegamos a cuartos. Um, and I think that's the real talk right now. It's the waiting for the coach to come in and FMF to announce. And are we going to just you know, give it to the coach that just barely won the league? If it's a Mexican coach. So I don't know. I really don't, I really don't know in the conversation of who I think... It'll continue to be a world, looking for a world-class coach, but then he has to know the player. If we're looking at something that Tata, I'm not saying Tata didn't do anything, what he did with Paraguay and, and his club, and obviously knows the, the Argenti- uh, what he did with Argentina. And, <clears throat> but 
I don't think he knew the Mexican player. And I think ultimately that might be his downfall is that we, as Mexicans and as the players, you need the knowledge of, let's say, what Tata had in his profile or, you know, let's look at Sven Goran Eriksson, a, a coach, it's a world-class coach with experience like crazy. Why did he fail? Because he also didn't know the Mexican player. And I think that's where you need some kind of, you know, the, the middle ground. You need a Mexican, you need a, you need a coach that knows the Mexican player that's played, that has coached in the Mexican league. And you need someone that has world-class experience. So people pointed to Bielsa, for example, because Bielsa coached in Mexico and obviously not. Bielsa now is linked to, to Uruguay. And I just, on my personal taste, I, I was in the dream boat of, I would love to have someone like Bielsa, but I think he's, he's, I think he's going to be like 70-something. And again, I, I go back to this new coach, young coach kind of mentality. And I think this is what we can have. So I don't know. I don't have the answers. So it depends. But we'll see what the FMF does. As you saw, uh, Tata Martino's gone. And now the search goes on. So what, 50 days, 60 days or something that they were mentioning of when the coach will be. We don't know if Jan de Luisa is going to start. I mean, it all comes down to the the owners, right? When people say, oh, it's because the FMF, it's, it's the owners who are making the decision. So... If you are asking yourself who is who's to blame to this, it goes back to the owners of the clubs, the same clubs that we all cheer for. It's all together and intertwined. So we'll see what changes are going to be made. I don't, I don't know. I'm not necessarily too hopeful for it. I'll end with, look what happened in CONCACAF. Um, I had a tweet that said, you know why we didn't do anything? It's coaching, coaching, coaching. So this, this whole pod is all about coaching. All right, I think I've gone long enough in this uh, Mundial Daily. Once again, thank you to Panini for sponsoring this, and we'll see what happens. Um, I still think it's either between Brazil or France who are going to win this. France is just looking so, so scary. Um, but uh, we'll see what Argentina does when they actually face, and I'm not saying you know credit to everybody else, uh, like Mexico, Saudi Arabia, and Poland, because they obviously made it to the World Cup, but when they face like a world-class team, which is going to be the Netherlands, see what happens. Um... You know, watch out for Spain. They looked also very deadly. But we'll see. These round of six, these quarterfinal matches are going to be very interesting. Orale pues, nos vemos live from the middle of Madrid with this beautiful Christmas decor here con tanta gente. Apparently, no, nadie trabaja because it was like a Monday morning and it was packed still. <laughs> all right. See you all. Y bueno, hasta la próxima.